Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. Welcome to OCC. Uh, It's good to be back with all of you. I've been away for the last two weeks with my family, just getting refreshed and rested, and it's really good to be back here. I, a few people keep asking, are you, are you rested? Are you refreshed? And, thanks, Cody. And, you know how it is when you're on a trip and you're using a different pillow? <laughs> it's hard to get comfortable. Like, I like, I like, I don't know, I sleep awkwardly, I guess. I, I, sometimes I like to sleep face down on a pillow like this. And I, my wife always says, that's not good for you. And I'm like... But anyway, I'm used to my routine with my pillow, but it's hard with different pillows, you know? So I'm just happy to be home in my bed and my pillow, and it's great to be back here with all of you. This is very familiar for me. We were uh, in Northern California and then along the Central Coast visiting family and having a few days uh, to ourselves as well. And we were at my mother-in-law invited us to her church, and my mother-in-law's church is a Spanish-speaking congregation. And as you know, I'm fluent in Spanish. (laughs) And so I fit right in. I'm not fluent in Spanish. Uh, my wife is. And so, but my mother-in-law let the pastor know that uh, her son-in-law, the pastor, would be in church this weekend. And so, of course, he, you know, made this a, a, a bigger ordeal. So I was a part of the service multiple times. <laughs> Thankfully, he didn't ask me to say anything. And I walk around. I got a few lines I can use here and there, but... <laughs> But, you know, then I have to, like, divert the eyes and move on. Because, anyway, it's really good to be back here. I understand everybody, you know, here. And, and, and uh, I understand English really well. So, my Spanish is improving through the years because Erica's grandparents speak only Spanish. So, it's, I'm getting a little bit practice here and there. So, enough about my Spanish or English in any way. If, you, if you've uh, come through the summer, we've had uh, a, a few of our pastors speaking and some of the guys that are in training for ministry speaking. And so uh, I'd love to say hi to you. If, you're, if this is your uh, first time or if we've never met, please stop by and say hi. At, I'll be at the guest information table. And I, I'm thrilled to be uh, talking about this series, Come and See. Bruce Wood, one of our pastors, launched last week this series. This touches on uh, some of my favorite stories in the Bible. The the book of John, we're looking at John, it's a New Testament book, and it, it is the it is the gospel of John, so it's basically one of the biographies of Jesus. And it's you get these encounters or these uh, situations where you see people who are not yet Christians getting to know Jesus and they're they're coming close to hear him or to, to see him. And Bruce kicked things off last week and this this is just an exciting part of, of what we do here. This really resonates with us. We love to introduce people to Jesus Christ and we'd love for them to consider and for you if you're here and you're exploring Christianity, we'd love for you to consider Jesus and following him with your life. Once I grasped for myself what Jesus had done to rescue me, what he'd done on the cross uh, for humanity. Uh, someone told me, this was when I was about 18, someone said that it's sharing the hope that you have in Christ is like sharing the, the cure that has been discovered 
for a deadly disease. He said, if you, if you had that cure that everyone needed, why wouldn't you want to share that? And so for, for me, that really has been a part of my life is sharing this hope that I, that I have in Christ. And for us as a church, it's been something that we've really built around here, uh, for the past decade. And so, uh, at the age of 18, I, I began as a newer, uh, serious Christ follower at that point, began sharing my faith with others. It was clunky at first, just like you're learning anything new when you're learning how to ride a bike or play a sport or do anything that's unfamiliar. It it can be awkward. I needed a lot of guidance, but I just began to share my faith with people that were willing to listen. And as I got into reading the Bible for myself, I began seeing different profiles emerge of people who were introduced to Jesus. That's really the point of the series, is that there is no cookie-cutter person and so you can't just use this one approach and say, okay, this approach to sharing my faith is gonna, just going to cover everything. No, there's no cookie-cutter person. There's different stories. And it's really important for us all to consider, and we've we got to know this, that for people in our lives and people in our world that are wrestling through their faith journey, they do that as individuals. And their story is different. And so we need to get to know each other and, and our stories and our backgrounds. And Bruce really got this rolling last week. He talked about this point. Different people have different obstacles as they encounter Jesus. There's just different stories and different obstacles, different questions. People are wrestling with different things. And if we follow the example Jesus set, we can learn how to respond to each you know, individual and, and see what he did. And so last week, Bruce showed how God uses us sort of like bridges into the lives of other people. God's message passes across the bridge of our life as people maybe trust, they trust us enough to say, yeah, I want to explore what you are making your lives about. And he talked about how, you know, some people, a guy named Andrew tells somebody named Peter, another person named Philip told someone named Nathaniel. These were not yet Christians inviting other not yet Christians to come and see Jesus, to come to hear Jesus. And it's true. You, you trust your friends, don't you? You tr- and sometimes you trust that, okay, if this guy tells me to do it, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but you do trust, you have a track record with your friends, right? And, and you trust, you tr- you have a track record, and so that track r- record, it, it supports, or, you know, what they have to say, or it, it warns you about what they have to say. Uh, but I usually ask my friends before watching a movie, has anyone seen this? Anybody have any? Or has, has anyone eaten at this restaurant? Because we trust our friends. And so it makes sense that God would use our friendships or our trusted family relationships as a bridge for the message of Jesus to travel across. So that's what Bruce looked at last week. Today what I want to do is go to the next chapter in the book of John. And if you'd like, you can follow along if, if you have brought a Bible with you or it's going to be up here on the screen. It's also on, printed on the front of this listening guide that's in the program that you should have received when you, when you came in. And so... But I want to move to the second chapter in John. And even though the book of John isn't a chronological book of the life of Jesus, it's not chronological, this particular book. Uh, chapter 2 in, in John is pretty early on in Jesus' ministry. And so what's going on is these, these disciples that traveled in packs with their trusted friends, like what Bruce talked about last week, they've begun to themselves follow Jesus. There's this group of disciples, they're called. They're, they're, they're followers. That word you know, has to do with being a pupil, being a learner, being a follower. They've joined up with Jesus physically. That, that's pretty much it though, at this point. Okay? They're, they're physically present with Jesus, but they're not convinced yet that He is the Son of God. 
But they're close enough to see what he's going to do next and to hear what he has to say next and to observe his interaction with people. They're, they're not yet trusting their lives to follow him, but they are certainly uh, following after him physically. They don't yet believe in him. Okay, But this chapter is going to create a, a turning point for these folks. And the story, these stories in many ways summarize some of the encounters that many people in, in this church have had. They come around here. They check things out. They, they do life with other Christians. They start trying on the ways of Jesus. And they're asking the question, is Christianity for me? Is this really true and real? And is this for me? And often, the issue at this stage is proof, evidence. I, I want to see something real. They're, they're waiting for some real life encounter for themselves. Something they can verify before they go all in and actually believe. And so, let's look at John chapter 2. And this, this story here is John 2, verses 1 through 12. says this. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Cana is a, is a village, a little town, in the region where Jesus was raised. Jesus was raised in, in the region of Galilee. In the town of Nazareth was where Jesus was raised. Cana is just to the north of, of, of Nazareth. And so, this would be... This would be like Orangecrest and Woodcrest. Okay, this is very close. It's you could walk from Nazareth, Nazareth to Cana, very close. And because of that, you would have known people in that neighboring village. Okay, it's not a huge booming metropolis. This is a small village. Okay, now just like today, in those days, weddings were major social events. Now, I just did a wedding yesterday, so weddings are fresh in my mind. And, uh, in fact, some of those people are here, I see. And so, it's just exciting for, for me to do weddings. I, I enjoy being a part of weddings. And but th- these are major, major social events for us. In those days, weddings were the, the wedding feast was the culmination of a several month long betrothal period. So several months, the couple would be betrothed to be married. The final event was to have a wedding ceremony and then about a week-long banquet, a feast. And you would invite you know, your family and your friends. People from the town would come. And so it says there's this wedding going on. And Jesus' mother was there. Now maybe Jesus knew or Jesus' mom knew this family. Maybe a family friend, maybe a relative. Uh, that wouldn't have been unusual because... Again, close, close proximity. It says in verse 2, And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Now this is an anxious mom at this point. Okay, They have no more wine. Uh, somehow she had the inside track. And I think it's because she knew the family. She knew the family. She, she knew this, uh, these people. Not everyone knew that they'd run out of wine, but somehow she had the inside track. They knew they'd run out of wine. So she tells Jesus, they, 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 they have no more wine. And this brings up the occasion for Jesus' first public miracle. The wine runs out. When this happened, this created, this could have created a huge public faux pas. This could have been a, a huge, just embarrassing story for a long time for this family uh, because of the significance of just food and wine at a wedding feast for this week-long period. And imagine having Thanksgiving at your house and 
you know, you got the turkey and you feed, you're feeding people and you realize the turkey's gone and half the people haven't eaten yet. They have no more turkey. <laughs> okay. So they have no more wine is a, is a serious thing because in those days, the issue is this, that the groom in those days, in Jewish culture, the groom and sometimes the groom's family would cover the cost of the wedding banquet. That, that week-long wedding banquet was the groom's responsibility. And so this event would have possibly called this groom into question on whether or not he could provide for this bride in the years ahead. There's no more wine. Uh-oh, did, you know, maybe that means this is all they have. Are they going to be able to take care of my daughter? This, this could have set up a huge issue. And so Jesus' action wasn't just a random miracle. This was actually, Jesus was being moved by something much deeper than just, here's a good time to perform a miracle. But he's not easily pushed by his anxious mom. Okay, And so he abruptly replies with this. And this is, you know, mother, mother, son. Dear woman, <laughs> why do you involve me? <laughs> Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Now, she had known for years that he's the son of God. She had an encounter with an angel telling her so, right? She knew who he was. She knew what he could do. And Jesus didn't say no. I mean, he doesn't say no. <laughs> and so she responds with this. <laughs> I love the, the statements. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he says. And she's preparing them to respond, basically. So nearby, it says, stood six stone water jars. And here's a picture of some stone jars. So you've got these six very large, something similar, probably even larger than that, water jars. The verse says, The kind used by the Jews... Go back to the verse there. The kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Now, do the math. Six jars, 20 to 30 gallons, that's 120 to 180 gallons. Okay? Could fit. Now, think of how heavy those jars would have been, those stone jars. You try to pick up a, a sparklets, aren't those five gallons? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to get my mind around this. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of water. You know, the five gallon now, what is that, four times that and more potentially? So now Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim, 100% water, just totally to the very top. Then he told them, now, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Jesus performs this miracle. This is his first public miracle. He turns this water into wine. Again, they'd filled it to the very top. It wasn't like 80% and then he, you know, someone goes and spikes the water. No, this is water completely that is completely turned into wine. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Now, he didn't realize... He's the pro. He's the master of the banquet. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The servants know what happened. Jesus knows what happened. Jesus' mom knows what happened. And more than likely, the disciples are about to find out what had happened. Okay? Now, this is, this is really the key. The master of the banquet, though, 
He didn't know that Jesus performed this miracle. And then it says this, Then the master of the banquet, he called the bridegroom, he calls the groom aside, and he says, and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. Okay? And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best until now. Now, the master of the banquet, he knew good wine. He knew expensive wine from cheap wine. I wouldn't know the difference, but this, this, was what he, he, this is what he did. He was the master of the banquet. And the groom gets the credit. That's what's really powerful in the story. The groom gets the credit for the miracle performed. Jesus doesn't get the credit. The master of the banquet had no idea, but a few people knew what really happened. Not only did Jesus rescue the groom in that moment and the bride from potentially total embarrassment, um, but this was enough wine to last, not just through the wedding banquet, but long after. And so this would have been like a, a generous wedding gift for the bride and groom. All of this wine for, for them to celebrate, keep the celebration going. Now think about this. What is, this is an act of grace. This is one of many of Jesus' miracles, but it's an act of grace. It's totally, grace is something that is totally undeserved. That's grace. It's totally undeserved. Think about the things that, that you feel like you've deserved in life. You work for a wage, and you work a job, you get something in return. It's because you, it's, it's you did the work, you, you got the paycheck. Grace is when you didn't do the work, and, and you get rewarded for it. You get rewarded as if you did. You didn't earn kindness and mercy and then someone gives you kindness and mercy it's undeserved favor and kindness and mercy that's that's grace this is a powerful story about an act of grace now look at what happens verse 11 this the first of his miraculous signs jesus performed at cana in galilee he thus through this revealed his glory he's proving who he is he does this miracle and his disciples Put their faith in him. His disciples, at this point, there's a shift. This miracle brought about the turning point for Jesus' disciples, who, again, they'd been following him physically, but they weren't in spiritually yet. They hadn't put their hope in him and their trust in him yet. But after seeing this miracle, this act of grace, this powerful act, supernatural act, now the disciples are convinced, and it says, from this point forward, they believed in him. They trusted him. It was, it was a miracle. Verse 12, then, after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and there they stayed for a few days. Now again, this is truly a miracle. Jesus performed many of these miracles during his ministry. And many people credit Jesus as a great teacher. We can pick through the Bible and say, man, I really like that about Jesus. He's kind, he's compassionate, he's loving, he cares for people. But many times people want to discredit the, this aspect of his life, the supernatural aspect of his life. That he worked the mighty acts of God. And you, you can't really chop up Jesus' life and say, you know, I like that, I like that, I don't like this, Psst, tear it out. No, I don't like that, it doesn't make sense. I don't believe in the supernatural, I don't believe in the, the things that can't be explained rationally. And so, you can't really do that and take the pieces you want and, and throw out the rest. And the incarnation, this term incarnation, is the term that's used to describe how God entered this natural realm in a human body as the man Jesus. 
But it's impossible to remove the miraculous, the supernatural acts, the elements from his life, the miracles that prove that Jesus was really God in the flesh. Because he was the God-man. He was fully God, fully man. And therefore, encounters with Christ, this is on your listening guide, encounters with Christ and Christians move people closer to decision points. We, we, We need to experience something. We need an encounter with Jesus We need to see Him working in real life. Or we need to see Him working in the real lives of other people that we can get to know and verify. Wow, I see a change. That's undeniable. And so it's encounters that are really important. People need these to serve as confirmation. And maybe this is the case for you. Maybe you kind of stood at a distance, kind of like the disciples. You're following Jesus physically. You're coming to church physically. But it wasn't... Enough. You needed to actually see something tangible, a life change in someone around you. Or maybe to experience life change in your own heart, in your own mind, in your own life. That as you've been maybe trying some things on here, trying on the ways of Jesus, it's become clearer and clearer to you. I'm ready to put my life, I'm ready to trust in Jesus with my life. Now, around 1930... There was a man named Dawson Trotman. Here's a picture of Dawson Trotman. He, he was the founder of a, a ministry called the Navigator's Ministry. Two years after he committed his life to Christ, two, two years after becoming a Christian, he developed an illustration that I often use to help people ex- understand the obedient Christian life. And here, here's a picture of the illustration he used. He said the Christian life is like a three-legged stool. Once you become a Christian, uh, you need... If you're going to grow and be supported in life, you need three things. He said the three legs are prayer, the Word, the Bible, and evangelism. So sharing your faith. Those three things support your growth. That will help you keep growing. But as a stool implies, you know, sitting down on a solid support, Dawson Trotman, as he kept digging into the Bible for himself, he realized that life in Christ was too exciting and too dynamic to live sitting down. And so, he asked God for another idea. And here, here's what he came up with. He, he shifted and his illustration eventually became this. And this is still the, the main, one of the tools that the navigators used. Uh, it's a disciple-making ministry that often does uh, ministry on college campuses. We actually have some navigators that are here, actually. And so, uh, from UCR, well, formerly UCR, starting a new work in, in Arizona. And so... But this this illustration shows that Christ is at the center. Uh, there's a major shift that takes place. If once a person goes from uh, exploring, investigating, they decide to make Christ the boss. It's a shift where we say, Christ, you be the center of my life, the core. I want you to kind of be the power source, moving me forward in life. You lead my life. Then power flows from Him through these different actions, these different activities into our life. The first vertical spoke is is wor- the Word. Uh, God speaks to us through through the Bible. We can see His principles for life. We can we can see His principles for ministry and for reality as we get into the Bible for our, for ourselves. This is foundational for hearing God's voice. Second is prayer. Prayer is that natural response to God after we spend time in the Bible and reflecting on what He says in the Bible to us. Then prayer is where we talk to God and we share what's on our heart with the One who really cares for us. The first vertical spoke is fellowship. This is where we gather together with groups of people. Fellowship is really important for growth. You you don't see a lot of traction in your life if you leave this spoke out. And so, 
You know, in a, in a large gathering like this, you get instruction, you get maybe some uh, some handshakes, brief conversations, but it's a pretty brief weekly encounter. And so this might be a major step of growth for you to decide even this fall, like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin the fellowship piece of my growth. I'm going to try this on. I'm going to join a small group to begin to get to know people outside of the large gathering. I'm going to get to know people on a, on a small group. This is a major piece of what God intends to help you grow. But the last horizontal spoke is what this series is about. It's about evangelism. Sharing our faith with those around us who are exploring, who are, who are curious, who are open. And even last week's message, it kind of highlighted the fact that people were inviting their friends just to follow Jesus. So you had people that were still sorting out their own faith, telling their friends, hey, let's sort this out together. Let's follow this guy around together and see what he does next and hear what he has to say next. And But if you make a shift and Christianity becomes a, the strong kind of guiding part, the core of your life, then the natural outgrowth for you is to then share Jesus with others, not in an obnoxious way, not in a pushy way. Sometimes that is is what really turns people off, but respectfully, gently being a witness to the world around us. It's important because eyewitness testimony is is still the most trusted evidence in court. This is this is a very similar principle. Evangelism, as you share your faith with others and people interact with you. And you share the details of your growth. And you share the details of of your journey. And you answer questions and objections. It's really hard to deny eyewitness testimony. Multiple eyewitnesses just keep building the case. And so this is why people who actually try on the Christian life in a genuine church community often become Christians. You start attending church regularly and trying on the ways of Jesus, you see the testimony of multiple witnesses, many witnesses. And that just keeps verifying a message. And I often hear people say, if I could just see a miracle, if if God would just prove to me, if I could see a miracle, or if I could have a dream or a vision, then I'd really believe. And He still can work miracles and does work miracles. And some people have encountered amazing works of God, but I think just as powerful as the miracle, life changes the miracle. When, When a person who formerly had no regard for God at all begins living for for Christ, after they were living for for their ways or the world's ways, begin to, to to live for Jesus and His ways. When you see people experience life transformation and shift loyalty to Jesus, that's an encounter that penetrates even the hardest of hearts. And so we've got a video here. It's weaving together two stories from some uh, people here at our church. And they're sharing the journey of how they committed their lives to Christ. And you'll see this aspect of real-life encounters with Christ and with other Christians. And so this is Mike, Andrew, and Wendy Boris, And this is two separate individuals, two separate stories, but we've kind of woven them together so you'll, you'll hear their two stories going back and forth. So let's, let's roll this. Okay, so this is about three, three and a half years ago. Um, my husband and I just moved back to Riverside, and we were not Christian at the time. We, we weren't a part of a church. We, Christianity wasn't even on our mind on the horizon for us at all and we had old friends that invited us um we'd been hanging out with more and more and um they invited us to a barbecue at their house 
And so we went and we said hi to everybody and um, in the middle of the barbecue, they introduced us to friends that they had. And so it was, hi, this is so-and-so and hi, nice to meet you, so-and-so. And, you know, so-and-so said, this is my wife, Mrs. So-and-so. And, and immediately my heart stopped. It was this very real sleep. <laughs> I, I knew Mrs. So-and-so. Her and I had worked together years before at a clothing store, and um, I was her manager. And um, I had not been kind to her. And, and to be very honest, I, I had been cruel. I had been very cruel to her. And um, in, my, in that moment of seeing her again after all these years, you know, I, I felt this panic of, um, oh no, you know, like this, this old enemy, I, I'm gonna, great, I'm gonna get a fight in the middle of a barbecue, like, I don't want to do that. Back in, uh, 2011, I started experiencing, uh, some pain in my stomach, and, uh, and, uh, went to the hospital to figure what was going on with me, because it was really putting me down. I, uh, went to the doctors, and, uh, couldn't tell me much of anything, uh, and I started experiencing some uh, internal bleeding uh, where it wouldn't start, and uh, I started dropping weight and everything, and at the time, my health was really good. I mean, I was on top of the world. Like I said I had a good job, worked for the police department, uh, was doing well, and uh, things started falling apart, it seemed like, and I uh, couldn't figure out why. <laughs> so um, we just, you know, it was very short. Oh, yeah, hi. Oh, hi. And I remember telling my husband, like, make your plane to go. Like, we got to get out of here. I, I just wanted to run away. I, I wanted to get away from that that moment of, of, you know, having to be faced with my bad behavior from years before. And um, it was soon after that, our, our good friends had inv invited us to come try out Orange Crest Community Church. And, um, and so I walked in by myself, expecting to find my good friend. But what I walked into was um, Mrs. So-and-so. And, -so. and um, that same feeling, that panic came up. And I, I remember thinking, like, this is it. Like, she's going to she's gonna expose me or, you know, something like that. And I remember physically bracing myself. At the same time, um, my wife was... Um looking for a church for us to go to. She started walking around Orange Terrace uh, Park and looking for a church for both of us to go to who we both liked and uh, could accept. And she came across OCC and uh, went to one of the services and came back and was really uh, uh, excited about what she found and came back and told me about it. And I grew up Catholic, but I wasn't really practicing the Catholic faith at the time. And um, so we went to the church, and uh, I liked it from the very get-go. I liked the way it uh, applied to real-life situations. But at the same time, I needed God in my life, and I started praying. And, uh, and the church was uh, there to help me out and uh, gave me suggestions of what to pray for and what, what to do. And, uh, and uh, then the health started to climb more, and I had to go to the hospital where I was hospitalized for a while. And... Uh, uh, basically, make a long story short, the doctors at Riverside Medical just basically gave me no hope. And, you know, I point blank told them, like, hey, um, what's the outcome look like? And they'd always hang their head down and 
really wouldn't come out and say, but I think I was blinded. I was probably on my deathbed. And um, she saw me, and um, she made a beeline to me. And um, what I remember first is right before she got to me, she held out her arms, and she gave me this big hug, and, and she said this phrase to me that I've heard so many times since, but in that moment, just, she said, I'm really glad that you're here. And it, this wasn't a snarky, like, you need to be here. It was this genuine, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to see you. I'm glad to see you. And immediately, I just remember thinking, I don't deserve this. I, I don't deserve for this this woman to be so gracious to me. I surely don't deserve her kindness on top of that, you know. And, and um, I just remember thinking, like, I don't deserve this grace. Um, quickly followed by, you know, what a beautiful snapshot of this faithful Christian woman who is not looking for revenge. She was not seeking, you know, justice uh, to right a wrong that she had felt. She was just truly um, grateful to see me in that moment. And then, um, you know, after those things have subsided, when I when I reflected back on the day, I remember feeling like I want I want that. How do I get that? How how do I sign up for that? Is there an application? Like, do I need to pay a fee? Like, how do I get that into my life? That level of pure, gracious, selfless kindness, this love that she bestowed upon me when I was at my most vulnerable. And so they sent me out to Keck Medical Center at USC and uh, got a hold of the doctors out there who were more advanced and uh, uh, what could be going wrong with me. And uh, they found the problem and, uh, and started treating me and I started to uh, come back to life, so to speak. And uh, so I started getting better and that was like five, six years ago trials that I've been through with my health and stuff, uh, it's only increased my faith with God, and uh, as I said, uh, and, uh, it truly has made Jesus Christ the boss of my life, and uh, I continue to grow as a Christian, and uh, OCC has really helped me on that journey. Very shortly after that encounter, I chose to commit my life to Christ, and I was able to experience God, God's grace personally to me. And now that I've had that gift bestowed upon me and looking to be able to be gracious to everyone around me, like I, I'm, I'm able to continue to spread God's love and His grace. Those are a couple of stories, and we, we've seen similar things play out here. Just in, in, And you've probably seen similar things play out. If you've been coming around here and you've maybe had these encounters with people where you've seen this sorting going on where people are physically present but they're not yet convinced and then there's interactions with some Christians or there's something where where God is intervening in a situation where they become convinced. And God may have used some of you in, even in Mike's story. There's many of us praying for Mike when his health was in decline. I remember praying with him in the hospital when they gave him pretty much the we can't help you. You know, we've done all we can do here. And I remember praying with him that God would provide just a solution or an idea and and at that point he was not he was very much in the sorting phase and I prayed for him and, and he I asked him would you like to talk more about this and he just said I really would I'd really like to talk more about that 
And, you know, many people here, as, they were get, as we were getting to know Danita and Mike, Danita is, is Mike's wife, um, you know, that was something we, we walked through together here. And in Wendy's story, as she encountered this gal that she'd worked with in the past who, who showed her kindness and grace, it's undeserved. I want to encourage you to work, work with this dynamic of encounters. Acts of grace create the deepest impact. This is what made Jesus' ministry and life so attractive and so acts of grace create deep, deep impact. For, because everyone here, we all have Mike's and Wendy's in our lives. God has placed people around us who are looking for something that is real. They want to see something real. And if you've been impacted by God's grace yourself, then you are uniquely positioned to pass on God's grace to the people around you. This is what makes Jesus so magnetic. He was so full of grace. And so we can be full of grace because what he's, what he's done, what we experience is kindness and forgiveness that he's offered. But imagine growing in grace towards those around you. I want you to think through, what would this look like? Very specifically, we've left some blank lines for you to consider. What are some acts of grace that you can show to the people in your life? Maybe think for a few moments about the people near you, friends, family, coworkers, neighbors. What are some things that you'd say, I, I, I need to be gracious. As they're, as they're uh, going about in their lives, what, what, what would really help them? See, Mike and Wendy experienced what Jesus brought about at that wedding feast. They, Mike and Wendy experienced God's grace. Those, those, that bride and the groom, they experienced God's grace. It was undeserved favor. Now, if you're here and you're not yet convinced about Christ, then we, we invite you to keep exploring the Christian life and see what God does as you move towards Him, as you try on the ways of Jesus. Plug in. Get, get around some other Christians. Get, get, get to some events. Invite others to investigate this you, with you as you're sorting this out. Maybe you have some, you know, bring some friends with you. As you're sorting, you have some questions. You can, you can, you can do that with others. Walk through real life with, with some people here. As a church, we, we love to celebrate the highs uh, of, of life at our church. Weddings, babies, moves, graduations. This is how you get to know people as you do life. And this allows you to see the Christian life up close if you, if you jump in and get to know us. Another aspect is we really try to walk through the lows together. We try to support each other through the lows that come through funerals, through deaths, through miscarriages, through hardships, through job loss. There's these situations come up in life suddenly, and it gives us another up close view of real Christ followers and the difference that uh, that that is made in their lives as they walk through difficulty. And hopefully, what you'll see is a basic integrity in people here. Not perfection. We're not going to make that claim. But a basic integrity where the, where the inside generally matches the outside. Because up close you see some things, but in order to get up close you have to actually get into action as the wheel implies. You can't just stay in place and let life pass you by because if you do it that way, before you know it, your life is over. And you'll look back wishing, man, I wish I had more time to pursue that, to ask those questions. So why wait? Just like in John 2, those disciples that were there at the wedding were not yet convinced, but they were physically present with Jesus. They started following him around, moving closer 
And they got close enough to see God's power at work through this act of grace. And so this, this miracle uh, was the turning point for them. As the worship team joins me up here on the stage, I want to encourage you to think through some specific ways to kind of take this home and this week put this into practice. So here's three next steps to consider. Identify three people who are exploring or open. Identify just some people in your life that you know are exploring Christianity or exploring Christ or open. And then commit to pray for them this week. Pray, pray for good things to occur in their life. Or pray for through hardships that, that God would use you to bring hope to them or to share hope with them or to share God's ways or just to be with them. Uh, pray for them. Pray for the things that they're going through. And then third, graciously respond. You know, with those acts of grace... Uh, that I encourage you to, to get real practical. Graciously respond through an act of grace to the people around you. Um, let, let's pray together as we, as we close this time. Father, thank you for this group. Lord, every single person here matters to you. And Lord, you've expressed your great love for us through sending your son Jesus to, to live out grace, to offer up his life as an act of, of sacrifice, sacrificial love, so that we could have our sin forgiven, Lord. All of us um, either have that need or had that need, and you met that need. And so, Lord, we, we pray, Father, that you would uh, remind us of how we've experienced the kindness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. And, Lord, help us to turn that towards the world around us, the people around us, um, Lord, use us this week. Use us this month, Lord. Even this summer, Lord, as we're preparing for our sports camp and some of the other things we're doing in this community to reach out. Lord, use us as a team to show your grace, Lord, to people that need you, Lord. And they're, they're looking for hope and for answers, Lord. Um, Lord, we pray for those that are here that maybe resonated with some of the stories from this morning. I pray that if there's anyone here that's, that you're drawing to yourself, and, and you're, uh, you're bringing to the point where they're ready to trust you with their lives. Lord, I pray you give them the courage to respond to you and take the steps to move forward with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.